Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wanting the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Raglan, and for today's episode, as you listen on your strange machines, I feel like we should take a moment to admire the moon. Rabbit. Today's guest is Moon Rabbit, a musician that has described their music as rock music made for people who like to cry. This is an artist I have been dying for you guys to get a chance to hear, especially the music that they produce. With what is out there for Moon Rabbit, I have been hooked to just about every single song that they have pushed out, and I feel like, especially with the little bits that I have sprinkled throughout the episode, you guys will get a chance to listen, love, and hopefully support Moon Rabbit with the links down below, especially their band camp. If you enjoy the podcast... Feel free to like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Leave a five-star rating if you can. That sincerely does help. If nothing else, I see it, and I love it, and I really do appreciate it. If you want to go a little bit further with that support, maybe you should consider rocking some incredible merch at the merch shop at pmap.creator-spring.com. There you can buy some incredible merch done by some incredible artists that are former guests of the podcast to give you some incredible streetwear that you can rock out there in the world. If you want to go even further with that support, maybe you should consider being a part of the Postmodern Art Podcast Patreon at patreon.com slash PMAP. There you can join fellow patron Jacob Raglan in enjoying some incredible content, such as behind-the-scenes access, early releases of the episodes, the opportunity to ask guest questions, and so much more. But now, without further ado, please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast podcast hello again hello long time no take see. two yeah take two indeed. <laughs> <laughs> i apologize for the 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 fact that we had to do this again and the audio and also oh, no, like it's totally fine i'll let you know right now you already sound immaculately better so already <laughs> so there we go <laughs> yay <laughs> my my computer is not a piece of crap <laughs> oh there you go there we go how are you doing I'm doing quite good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Just trying to keep a level head through all the chaos. I can sure you can attest to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's That's been the story of the last two years. All right, Avery, before we really get going, I must ask the icebreaker of the podcast, if I may. Let's say you get an opportunity to go to a desert island on your own accords. It is just you along with your thoughts. You get to kick back, relax, breathe, and just decompress for a little bit to help make sure you don't go completely insane though you get to bring one piece of media or one piece of art with you if given this opportunity what would that one piece be um yeah so definitely as um a as someone with absolutely horrific adhd um <laughs> i would need something that i could engage with um a lot so definitely a video game okay uh, assuming that counts as you know art oh absolutely um, i i have and, more than happily said that video games are art so that's perfectly right up there um yeah so definitely a video game and definitely one that i feel has a lot of replay value okay so like currently i'm super i'm super obsessed with hades again mm. uh i think i've i put almost 400 hours into it at this point <laughs> um maybe skyrim or hollow knight uh, just one of those games that, you know, has a ton of content and has a ton of, like, replay value. I do want to say real quickly, though, with Hades alone, like, you just saying that, like, you were saying, yo, I don't know if video games are considered art. Hades should be considered, like, a masterpiece, like, just based on the 
art of the game alone. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Hollow Knight. Yes, both absolutely. of those games are so gorgeous. So Skyrim gorgeous. on the other hand. <laughs> Skyrim is just fun. Like whether you yeah. take it seriously or whether you install like a million different mods and just goof around with it, it's just fun. Yeah, there's some really gorgeous areas in Skyrim also, but mm-hmm. I think the thing that that I think and I've seen a lot of people talk about is like Skyrim is the worst best game ever. Um <laughs> because it there's so many problems with it. It's so buggy. The writing is so like wildly hit or miss. Uh, but it's just still so fun, it, it's like, like re- uh, regardless of all of its flaws. I was going to say, like, if you think of it like this, and this is probably going to be a weird way of wording it, but Skyrim is essentially like the room of video games, you know? Like, if you think about its intentional purpose, it does not work whatsoever at times. Like, it is a buggy mess with several major problems. But if you reset your mindset into what it people have made it into be, is the best thing to ever come out. <laughs> yeah, I think... Yeah, that that's a good way of looking at it. It's definitely not as much of a failure as what it's intending to be as the room, mm-hmm. but it is. I think a lot of what's so fun about it, um, and especially what's so fun about like the community, is kind of similar. So yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, if nothing else, like compared to some of the other releases that Bethesda has had, with how busted and buggy they can be, that's that's <laughs> yeah. I, I think Skyrim is is a uh, a shining light compared to what it could have been. So. <laughs> It's at least been out long. It's and it's been out long enough and patched enough times and re-released enough times that it's not as buggy as it used to be. Uh, I mean, if you ask, you know, Todd Howard or whatnot, I don't think it's been re-released enough. But anyways, um, <laughs> but they never- released it again so recently with fishing. <laughs> They, it was like this year. I was going to say, they it's had been, it. I remember when they had the, uh, what was it? The the Alexa version of it. I remember goofing around with that one just like a couple of times. The, the what? They, you could like play Skyrim with your Alexa. Like you could say, hey, Skyrim, play oh Alexa. God. It's basically like turn-based RPG kind of is like you're presented with a scenario. Then you like answer like how you would tackle that scenario. It was like an April uh, Fool's Day prank or something like that. Oh, that's so funny. So it's like a, it's a choose your own adventure novel. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> but with Skyrim. <laughs> oh my God. That's so fun. It, I have it, to check that out now. I know, I know. Right. But nevertheless, uh, a video game with tons of replay value. That is your answer. You're locking yeah. that in. Yeah. Then, if that's the case, I cannot think of a better way to start the Postmodern Art Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Nathan Ragland. Uh, feel free to subscribe or follow whatever streaming platform you prefer. Uh, you can support the podcast on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PMAP. Or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest. <clears throat> They are a musician who describes their music as rock music made for people who like to cry. One of the co-founders of Avenue Concerts. Welcome to the podcast, Avery, a.k.a. Moon Rabbit. That's me. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad to to have you here. Um, I know that a good friend of ours, Ace Smith, was the one that really introduced me to your music, and I was just instantly blown away from the first second I've heard of your stuff. So I am just as excited to get the opportunity to talk to you and really divulge into your stuff. But before we really divulge into the music you are creating, I want to go back just a little bit. I want to know more or less the origin stories of Moon Rabbit. What got you interested in art and music in the first place? Yeah. Oh, God. Long story. (laughs) We have time. (laughs) Um, Yeah. 
So I started uh, the first like exposure I had to music was um, when I was five. My parents signed me up for piano lessons um, because both of them are people who um, really like really enjoy music. And specifically, I think, yeah, bo both of them um, like told me I had a lot of resistance as a little kid to piano lessons uh, because I was like, I hate practicing. It's too much work. I don't want to do it. Um, Cause you know, seven, yeah. um, but they would always say like, um, you know, you're going to regret, like you're going to grow up and live to regret not sticking with it because both of them had that of experience of like, ah, man, if I, if I just like really um, doubled, like stuck to trying to learn music as a kid, then I would be a lot happier now because now I'm like too busy to, to, learn a whole new skill. So I did stick with it. Uh, and it turns out they were 500% right. <laughs> um, because yeah, I, it was just like piano lessons. Um, may actually kind of my, my teacher was a jazz pianist. So that's kind of the style that I learned initially. Um, but I, I took those until I was about 12. Um, and then I stopped for a while after my original teacher moved out of town. Um, and so um, as, as is often the case, as soon as I stopped having like the pressure of you need to be doing this because you're like taking lessons, I was like, oh, I really want to do this. Okay. Like, <laughs> so I just kept on, I kept on with the music. Um, and then um, in 10th grade, um, this is kind of where things like turned. Um, I was um, introduced um, inadvertently by my English teacher to Radiohead okay. um, because their newest album, A Moon Shaped Pool, just came out and he was a big fan and he was just um, playing their their stuff in class um, like as background music. Um, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. Who is this? Um, and then I like went and looked up their singles on YouTube um, and was like, oh, oh. Because the only music I'd ever listened to before that was, you know, what my parents listened to. We all shared an iTunes account. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like literally the only music I would ever have access, like easy access to was whatever my mom would do. Like every month she would be like, OK, this is how much money we're going to spend on like buying singles and or albums from iTunes. And she would like you know, talk with me and my dad and be like, okay, so what, what all are we interested in? Um, and my, so my music tastes like stayed the same as, as theirs, uh, up until that point. And then once I discovered Radiohead and was like, oh, I really like this. And around that same time, I also, um, independently found, learned, uh, heard of like Florence and the Machine. Um, and those, uh, I think I just found Florence and the Machine, like on the internet. Um, but Finding those two artists was kind of like when I was like, oh, this is like a completely new side of music that I've never heard before um, because all my parents listened to was, you know, like the Beatles, not the Beatles. Why did I say that? The Eagles. The Eagles. <laughs> I, um, somewhere in the, that ballpark, just some animal. <laughs> just so, some animal, uh, some band of old white dudes that names like, you know, some... Uh, so like the Eagles, Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen, okay. um, all that like 70s, 80s classic rock. The most modern thing we ever listened to uh, was like Adele and Ed Sheeran. Um, 
which one of those is good. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure you yeah. can guess which one I mean. Um, <laughs> and, how, about the, how about the one that like only releases like you know a couple albums every couple of years instead of one that tries to do almost like a yearly or two year re- yearly release? I think I could take the hint. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, it, it's funny. Basically, as soon as I was like, I want to listen to completely different music that my parents don't like that much. They were like, all right, we're just going to get a Spotify account. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that they didn't have to, you know, double their their monthly iTunes budget for me. <laughs> I mean, in the long term, that's probably smart. <laughs> yeah. Unfor- if only Spotify weren't. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, we get that, we get that, but <laughs> touchy subject. Yeah. By the way, make sure you listen to the podcast <laughs> on Spotify, Apple Podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'd say listen to my music on Spotify, but it's not on there. It's um, not. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I I started listening to to that stuff in um in 10th grade and just kind of went off from there um, exploring the wide, wide world of music that is not super mainstream. Um, and I started playing around with GarageBand on my phone like the next year. Um, somewhere in there, I started taking guitar lessons. I don't remember where it start, where it, when I started. Right. Um, <laughs> and so I got a few, I got a couple uh, years of guitar lessons under my belt. I went back to take piano lessons for a bit and uh, had a bit more of like a pop and rock piano focus. Um, and uh, um, my guitar teacher, uh, my the, the place that I had um, that I took lessons at um, had like a yearly um, songwriting contest for students under 18. Okay. So I started writing, I wrote my first song for that. Um, just recording on with like the shitty little touch instruments on GarageBand for iPhone. Um, and then I kind of started asking my guitar teacher, like, Hey, what, how do I, um, how do I like get better at this? And she gave me some recommendations for equipment and stuff. And my parents were like really happy that I was like fully getting back into into wanting to do music um and they were super happy to just like you know buy me uh the equipment i needed as a birthday gift but still um and uh, um just like really set me off on on seriously recording stuff so i i released my first music um in 2017 under a name uh that i am never sharing because it's really bad it's not the name i released under now and it's also not the name i used to release stuff under um it's it's also i've got it on spotify through an extremely shady um free distribution service so it's still out there because i don't know how to take it down Um, it's out there but we're not gonna acknowledge that it's out there yeah it's out there we're not going to acknowledge that and my challenge we're going to acknowledge it to the point that my challenge to everyone out who listens to this and is curious see if you can find it (laughs) if you can find it good for you um (laughs) you can find it good for you and don't tell anyone else there you go there you go would you say that like especially that first exposure to to radiohead and like really like I guess your music knowledge being expanded would that was that kind of more or less the moment it went from just like a general love of music and art to a passion and wanting to make it your career. Yeah, I mean that that's even the point because I 
before that, like I was um, a visual artist um, and I still dabble in that, but um, it's not what I really love to do anymore. Um, and it, like, I didn't even, I wouldn't even say I loved music before that. It was just, I, I kind of liked it in the same way that most people like it. Um, where I was like, here's my favorite artist. And I just listened to it, you know, on the bus ride to school and back right. uh, and in the hallways. Uh, and it wasn't like something that meant much of anything to me. Um, and uh, so discovering this music that I like connected with in a way that I'd never connected with any music uh, that I heard before was when I learned to love music. Um, and or not even learned to, but when I just started to love music because I had music to love. Um, no, I, mean, I, and, I, I totally get where you're coming from, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I yeah, I and then I. Oh, there you go. <laughs> sorry, yeah, it just it kind of it just went and it went very quickly from there. Okay. Um, and something else that was motivating, and this is going to sound really, this might sound a little um, self-aggrandizing, but I kind of realized like I I really loved the process of making art, but I also recognized like I was taking art classes and stuff, and I recognized um, like looking at the art that I could like see people making in my class and see people making on the internet. I knew that I was not that gifted at art. Like it was something that I enjoyed, but I, I recognized from like very early on that this is not something I would ever be able to make into a career because I'm just not good enough. Um, and the bar for like the bar for being technically proficient at art is so high now. Oh, yeah. um, but when I started making music, um, there's a way to be not very technically proficient at art and still create art that is very unique and has an art has a voice and a point of view that makes up for the lack of technical proficiency but i think music is a lot more open to that um like if you in order to make art that's not technically proficient that people still connect with you typically have to be extremely unique and have a really strong vision um that makes up for your lack of technical proficiency because if you're just making something conventional and it's not done well it's just like a normal thing that's not done very well um but with music there's a lot more room for something to just have that spark even if it's not um if even if it's not done in a technically proficient way if like there's a lot more room for a, a song to be really good right. um and set itself apart without having like without being something that no one's ever seen before um I'll say if nothing else it and really so, it really gives like an artist more or less like mm, I'm trying to think of the best way to word it to go piggyback off of what you're saying just like essentially like it may not be like the technically most proficient or whatnot but if you can easily tell because I guess it's a lot more emotional or a lot more like open than some other art forms to where like you could truly see like a person's vision or what they're trying to go for or just like what they're trying to say translate through music compared to a lot of other art forms yeah, I think it, it's a lot more emotion forward mm -hmm. than most other um, art forms. I and me, I mean, I'm obviously biased. They are all. I think there are people who 
engage with like people engage with different art forms differently but just um i think on average music is like and stuff that um we consume through uh, hearing or um like stuff that is active instead of passive i guess like visual art um that is a sculpture or a drawing or a painting has obviously a lot it can have a lot of emotional um content in it but it's sitting there and you have to go and engage with it um and same with like a book um but like music movies things that are active they are actively speaking to you instead of sitting there and beckoning you um and so i think um again it's easier like um it's easier for music to speak really directly um and therefore you know like i kind of just realized from the beginning like i have something i can express through music that works in a way that it doesn't through art like i can make i can draw something that um people think is really pretty um but i can make i can make a song that and even when i wasn't technically proficient with music at all i could make i was making songs that people were like connecting to um and that had a lot more they had like it was a much more effective vessel for what i wanted to put out into the world um and it just it was like received better um <laughs> by other people which i obviously validation is the second reason i make music <laughs> but it is this it, it's the second it's not the fifth right. like it is the second it's a distant second but it's still the second <laughs> right right but i mean still nevertheless like i can only imagine especially for someone like yourself with a lot of the music that you've created like with how like upfront and emotional and open that you are with your music and stuff like that that validation that i I can only imagine while it is a second, uh, a distant second, it's still like, it, it's almost relieving a little bit to know that people can listen to mm -hmm. that music and instantly relate, or at least understand the message you're trying to get across. Yeah, definitely. There you go. And I imagine you probably got that from a lot of your inspirations as well. I know you talked a good bit about um, Radiohead and I know that they're very open and emotional with their music. Like, was that like the major inspiration? Is there any other artists or musicians that you could think of that you kind of, taken inspiration from when putting it into your own music yeah i would say um my biggest three inspirations are definitely radiohead florence and the machine and phoebe bridgers okay that um, makes sense. <laughs> yeah um and i i do i like to say like my my music is basically if you put the three of them in a in a pot uh and just stir it all up um because like radiohead was and they all inspire kind of different sides i think of my music because um what i think radiohead's biggest strength um you know like a lot of huge radiohead fans like love like to obsess with like the technical side of things or the innovative side of things and you know i see i think like in the circles i'm in now a lot of people really hate Radiohead, like hype in hyperpop and uh, other adjacent, um, adjacent, um, like experimental electronic and especially like high energy experimental electronic mm -hmm. um, scenes. 
um radiohead is like up there with the beatles in terms of the the band that everyone loves to shit on for being overrated <laughs> which i i understand um because the way that both fans and music critics talk about radiohead is like they're important they're innovative they're the be- one of the best bands of all time uh and i think all of like people who really focus on that side of of radiohead or focus on that aspect of why they're good are missing the fact that the re- real reason that they're so good is just because they are one of the best bands in the industry at expressing emotion through sound right um and uh, you know um it, they're so what what they inspire me the side of their music that inspires me the most is like obviously if you listen to pretty much any of my music it's not anywhere near as technically complex as, as radioheads because i simply do not have the musicianship to right. do that at this I, point i was say it's not that complex um, not yet at least <laughs> not yet we'll see um <laughs> but um you know it's like the way they use sounds, the way they use um, a very, um, a much wider ranging palette of sounds than your average like top 40 musician or your average classic rock musician Mm -hmm. um, to really dig into, um, dig into expressing emotions through sonics and not just through lyrics. Um, So that's what, that's what um, Radiohead inspires. That's how Radiohead inspires me. Horns in the Machine inspires me with just daring to be too much, like saying fuck, like tastefulness, fuck being subtle. Like we're going to, we're going to, um, we're going to like every single one of their songs is an emotional sledgehammer. Um, (laughs) and uh, so, yeah, that's kind of, you know, I don't, I, I don't always try to try to do that but i usually try to do that um i i um want to you know i used to um worry a little bit about like what if my music is like too corny or too like over the top um but you know i just kind of decided like no this is this is what i want like this is what i want to do this is what connects with me the most um is that just completely unabashed like too much huge i'm going to be as unsubtle as i possibly can with the the emotional cues in my music and i i like i think that's i just think the bigger the better um and the bigger you know (laughs) the more the more the better um and so yeah that's that's where florence and machine inspires me and then phoebe bridgers just inspires me with her lyrics um i genuinely think she's one of the best lyricists um to ever grace pop music um and uh, i definitely have a very different approach um in that i tell i am very upfront about the fact that i tell fictions i don't write about my life um but um i i think like the thing that i say about my music a lot is that the stories aren't true but the emotions are right um and so i always try and filter um my real world experiences that 
maybe are too per like sometimes they're just things that I don't think are exciting enough to write a song about. Sometimes they're things that are too personal that I don't want to put out into the world. Um, complete like I don't want to put all of those details out into the world, but I want to filter all of how I feel. Um, and uh, you know, like my emotional response to that situation through stories that um that where the characters are going through different things but they're experiencing emotions that i've experienced um and so you know just writing from a place of emotional honesty even if not literal honesty um and just the way that she uses like she doesn't all of her song i think uh one thing the thing about uh i think about phoebe bridgers is that She's actually incredibly corny. Like her music is so <laughs> corny and earnest. And the reason that it works is because she, is because she's also too smart to just be corny. Um, and uh, she, so like if, if her music wasn't as smart as it was, it would be unbearably corny. But if it wasn't as corny as it is, it would be unbearably annoying right. <laughs> and pretentious. And so just that finding that balance of uh, being very, un, um, very, being very emotional and uh, like to the extent that it could come off as corny, but balancing it with a sense of poetry and uh, dark humor and uh, um, just uh, expressing, not always being like ha leading with obvious emotions, but not always expressing them in the most obvious way. Right. I, I, I would like to, the way that you're describing, especially Phoebe Bridges, I, I, I at least like to think of her as probably one of the most like human artists out there and whatnot, because it's like, you know, she finds that good balance of like super serious stuff and super, super corny stuff. And like, that's, you know, that's just every average everyday human. Like for me personally, I could get like super duper emotional and like crawl into a hole and like just, cry my eyes out if I wanted to, but I could also say some of the worst puns that ever existed. I just find a good balance of that within my life. And Phoebe especially does like a great job. Like you said, finding that balance, making her more or less, like I said, a very human artist compared to some of the superstars out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I imagine, especially for you, like, again, going back to just all those different inspirations or whatnot, like, as you were describing it or whatnot. Oh, what was it? I was going to say, Phoebe, you were saying, um, that, uh, for, or for you personally, you said that while the stories may not be true, the emotion really is. I'm pretty sure I heard Bruce Springsteen actually say something similar to that about his own music. So I totally can understand where you're coming about from. right. <laughs> yeah. But I totally get where you're coming from. And speaking of your music, why don't we just jump right into it? Because you have quite the back catalog, um, of some really interesting stuff. I know like, some of the first ones I can at least attest to from some of your more recent names, or some of your more recent titles that you like to release. The first one I was able to find is This Hysterical Light. And it makes me want to scream, right the wall, grab you up in Over. Over. Is it all? 
is absolutely gorgeous or whatnot like I, I can only imagine like the the process of like that as well as the adaptations that you did basically having your own spin on like having your own interpretations of some incredible songs already and making it like infinitely better i have to adaptations know. my incredibly pretentious name for cover <laughs> eps i mean which it gets, it gets the point across yeah i had to take them down or i didn't take them down i had i privated them on bandcamp because bandcamp changed their terms of service last month to basically say that you can't upload covers anymore and no one's talking no one said anything about it like i didn't find out about it until a couple weeks later when someone posted about it on twitter uh, and that was the only post i saw about it on the end like um ever um which is wild to me because that's like a big deal yeah that is a big deal um, i didn't even realize that was a thing yeah it was right at and it was like right after the epic games acquisition mm, okay um, so maybe maybe epic games is already so, trying to be like yeah let's go ahead and cover our tail ends just in case um yeah. but like even that aside like i just want more or less talk about like especially with some of those early ones and maybe even some of the ones you do nowadays i want to know more or less like the process for you like how do you get into kind of a mindset to realize to creating whether it's a full album or a song, what is the process for you? Like just send down and be like, I want to create this. Uh, it really depends um, from song to song. Um, a lot, I think a lot of the songs on this hysterical light in particular and the, and on Quixotica, I wrote around, I wrote like a line or a, a chorus. Um, and then I built off of that. And usually I would be like, okay, this is um, like, I have a verse and a chorus, um, or I have just a chorus. I'm going to get into GarageBand or Logic. Uh, I didn't, I, I think, yeah, everything from uh, from this hyster- on this historical light in Quixotica was GarageBand. I didn't upgrade okay. to Logic until after Quixotica. Um, so yeah, like I would sit down in GarageBand and I would record uh, just the chorus or just what I had written. Um, and then I would build in like, I would, so I would figure out like basically like, and fully produce like just a chorus or just a verse. Um, and then I would build off from there. Um, and, uh, write the kind of write. So I would, I would have like, here's a little, like a little snippet of what the song will sound like when it's finished. And then I will build off of that. Um, so it would kind of be having just this little like emotional core mm-hmm. of the song and figuring out how I wanted that to sound, what um, what would work with the melody and uh, um, the emotional content, and then filling out the whole sound, like filling out the whole sound palette, and then writing the rest of the lyrics. Um, and uh, since then, because the biggest I mean, uh, the first problem I have when I listen to my old work is that, you know, um, I was not as good of a producer back then as I am now. So I'm always thinking like, oh, I could have done this better. I could have done this better. Uh, But the second problem is I feel like, especially on this hysterical light, a lot of like, at least from my standpoint, as like the person who wrote those songs, I can see a lot of the kind of the seams. in where you know i this bit like this bit of lyrics i kind of wrote as just filler um because i um had i'd already recorded this long of a verse um 
or um, I was like trying to connect these two, like connect this chorus to this outro. And like, it didn't, I didn't quite um, sit on it as long as I should have. Okay. Um, and so the approach I try to take now to avoid having problems like those is I try to um, write, like either when I, I do still sit down and work with sound first a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but when I do, I always try to just go with a base of loops um, and not start recording, like recording uh, single takes of like live guitar stuff over that until I have the entire, sh all of the lyrics and the entire structure of the song figured out. So I either write the lyrics first or I write the lyrics over a base of just like loops um, so that I can know like, here's the, here's exactly what the actual structure of the song is. And I have like um, those, I have the lyrics fully like put together in a way that isn't like haphazard at all. Um, I can, and so I, I try to, instead of, cause I feel like the lyrics have always been kind of the foundation of my music. Right. Um, I always, obviously I always put a lot of time and effort into, um, expressing the emotional content through sound as well, but it's always building off of the lyrics. Um, so I always try to have that foundation like fully set instead of kind of winging it kind of in the way that I used to. Okay. No, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I did want to like pinpoint on a certain thing that you talked about in your little description. So I was talking about how with each song you try to like basically push out like the emote, you find the emotional core and you more or less like build off of that. Um, how important and how difficult is it for you to translate like whatever emotion you're trying to emphasize with, each of your songs because like i said before like with each and every single one of your songs i can tell that you put a lot of emotion into just every little bit they do so how important and also how difficult is it for you to translate that um it is very important usually um i'm it's let i the approach i usually um take is i don't go into a song thinking this is the emotion i want to convey okay. i go into a song thinking this is the story i want to tell and then i find the emotional core throughout the process of writing that story um and so it'll you and usually it'll end up hinging like just this this turn of phrase or this um basically plot point um and I, if I, I'll recognize like, oh, the, I've arrived at something that is important. Um, and this is where I'm going to, this is what I'm going to focus on. Like um, to, I guess, to give an example um, for when I was writing um, Eulogy for an Empty Frame, one of my um, more recent, most recently released songs, I wrote like the last chorus was one of the first things I wrote. Um and when I wrote that, I was like, okay, this has this very specific um, feeling to it. Um, and uh, so it has it has this very specific feeling of uh, um, a, a very, I, I don't know how to put it, I, I don't know how to translate it into uh, outside of, sometimes, sometimes a lot of my lyrics are like, I can't really just sit and describe them right. fully because... So much of the emotional content is just encoded in the in the the story, like the 
poetry of it right um which sounds really pretentious but <laughs> but it's, you know but it's also honest because it's, it's like especially with the music that you're producing it's not just like you can't just say it to get the point across it's like you're creating a full-on like experience for a person to truly get the point you're trying to get across and words just is not enough yeah uh, and so like, yeah, with that song, like I, I had like, here's this last chorus that had, and I didn't even realize it would be the last chorus at the time, but like, here's this chorus that has this very specific um, approach to uh, grief. Cause I knew from the beginning, like, this is, a, this is going to be a story about losing some like losing someone that you love. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so obviously grief is going to be one of the main emotions, like the main emotion there, but that last chorus had like a very specific way of expressing it and I tried to I built off of that and had that particular approach to writing about grief um the whole way through I mean if I do say about that song alone I think you've definitely got that point across and then some that is one of my personal favorites that you've done so far just like the the raw emotion that I can just feel with like the lyrics alone and like especially the the composition of the music itself one of the things I love about your music as a whole is you make it sound almost like orchestral. Like you got like a full like band just playing behind you. Like I imagine that goes back to like some of your inspirations, like Radiohead stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But like, like how important is it for you to have that kind of sound going into your music? Uh, It is definitely, um, I don't always specifically go for like orchestral specifically, but my, manifesto basically is that i make music i make bedroom pop that sound does not sound like it was made in a bedroom right um and so i always strive to have a level of polish and detail um and uh, scale that um matches my ambition um with like my lyrics I because I think a lot of uh, and I'm not like ragging I'm not ragging on this style of music I think it's um its own it's very much its own kind of brilliant but the style of a lot of bedroom like stuff that actually gets labeled bedroom pop specifically mm-hmm. like like Frank I don't know the, the first one that comes to mind is Frankie Cosmos um and like I guess Sydney Gish stuff like that is um there like there's a lot of these artists that have um very like they're very ambitious writers Mm -hmm. they uh, um approach very big topics they um write they're they're like very very strong lyricists um and their music is uh, very spare and simple um or if it's not simple it sounds simple it's that kind Um, of the diy like it is made in the bedroom like it is labeled as yeah um and again i i'm absolutely not ragging on that at all i think um sometimes stripping down to that actually is better um and works like works better i don't think it works better with my style of melody like writing melodies um and uh, um so you know i always just try to if not go big like i don't not every single one of my songs is big but every single one of them I strive to make as polished and clean as possible. Right, right. I know a, a, a certain way that you, I mean, with just about every single release that you have, if I can brag a little bit more, every single release you have tends to get that kind of message and that kind of mentality across just kind of this 
like like I said before, just almost like an you're creating an atmosphere more or less that is like so lived in and like really like gets you invested like from the first se- second a chord is played or something along the lines of that. Like it's well, thank inc- you very much. it's incredible how you're able to do that. I know one of the best ways you were able to do that is one of your more recent albums, uh, Quixotica, which we did mention a little bit. Do you want to know how you're gonna die or would you rather it be an unpleasant surprise? Do you want me to cut your Which you have described as an album about, uh, sorry, I have it written, uh, oh, change, haircuts, technology, death, and odd billboards. Um, <laughs> how did that album sort of develop and come to be the way that it is? Uh, so, um, it started off as just like, I was just some random songs I wrote, um, and it didn't really start to take shape as its own thing um until i was on a so this is this is my favorite story to tell about my music is the story of how i wrote advertisement for a morgue on the billboard there were two dead feet a little white tag tied around the picture hanging against the floor quite the sight to be confronted with in the back seat of an suv Um, which is still one of my favorite songs that I've ever written. Um, and so I was on a trip to Seattle um, with my grandparents and we were um, in a lift on the way home from the airport. That is the one song I've written um, that is just fully about my own life and a thing that happened to me in real life oh, wow. because it was such like a mundane thing. <laughs> um, be, so we, I was in the back of an SUV Mm -hmm. (laughs) um a lift coming back from the airport um and i was looking out the window and just kind of there there was a lot of just weird stuff i saw in it just around seattle uh just on the way back and it was it's a it was a kind of an inspiring place to visit for a little bit Mm -hmm. um there's a so there was actually brief tangent there was i I was literally looking out the window and being like um that would be a good like that's interesting that's something i could write a song about um and uh, because there was this um the this like patch of grass where you could tell there had been like a wildfire and then it had been stopped at, like a certain point so it was just like a line in the grass hmm. from like dirt to so i was like oh that that's something i never ended up writing a song about that but the thing that i did end up writing a song about was uh, this billboard i saw um it had, again, as described in the song, it was two two feet of like a dead body mm-hmm. um, with a little tag, like a little identification tag hanging from one of them. And in the middle, it said Georgetown Morgue. Um, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> Adver- it's a billboard for a morgue? Why is there a billboard for a morgue? Uh, and it literally just sent me on that, like that whole thought spiral of like, bas- basically what I described in the song of like, why is there an advert? Why are they advertising this morgue? Like, is it like a museum? Um, and uh, so I just, I wrote, I started writing that song um, 
during that vacation. I actually went, there's the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle, which oh, recommendation nice. to anyone, if you ever visit Seattle, go to the Museum of Pop Culture. It's cool. Um, and they have a little music section where they have these jam rooms with instruments in them. And you can go in for like 10 minutes and just record, uh, play on the instruments. And like, they have a system set up to record whatever you play in there. Mm -hmm. um, and so I literally started writing that song oh, in wow. those jam rooms at the Museum of I, Pop Culture. I, I, I've heard of bedroom <laughs> pop, but is Museum Pop a thing? Um. Museum Pop. <laughs> I'm going to make it a thing. There you go. Um, <laughs> They, like literally no literally I, like as i was there i was thinking like this like if there's like i'm sure there's a, at least one diy band in seattle that has gone to that museum and gone into the the like there's a there's two rooms that have like a full full drum kit guitar uh acoustic and electric guitar bass and keyboard and i was like there's at least one diy band that has just gone here instead of renting an actual studio right i'm for I, sure I, if, um, you, if you told me that uh nat left at london had done that i would totally believe you straight up <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that would that would that would be amazing um but <laughs> yeah um so yeah i wrote i started writing that song there i finished it when i got back um and then um months later after the album after the album was released and i was talking about it with people um in the left at london discord server mm -hmm. um i de um i decided to actually google seattle georgetown georgetown morgue it's a haunted house oh see that makes more sense <laughs> <laughs> yep Ah, uh, but you know what? It doesn't line up with the narrative. Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> it doesn't line up with the narrative, but it it is. Um, you know, the song was already out, so I yeah, couldn't true. I couldn't throw in that little twist. But, I mean, but you know, I was to say even then, like just the the initial thought alone, because I'm sure like somewhere out there in the world, someone has to be like advertising like a morgue or something like that. I'm sure someone has seen like that one weird advertisement out there. It's like, why are they advertising that? There is no need to advertise that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And again, I mean, again, it, I mean, it, it does still, it fits into my manifesto again of real emotions, fake stories. Yeah. Um, it turns out I was wrong all along, but the emotions were still there. So, so technically like it's exactly your manifesto. It's a fake story, but it's just the real emotion behind it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the purest distillation of my approach. <laughs> it's, it's an accidental manifesto. There we go. Uh, I, I do want to say when it comes to Quixotica, like I do love the, that song, but like personally for me, strange machines always has like a, an interesting like place in my heart. Like it's, I, I just cannot get enough of that song. Like that, it was wonderful how you Thank did you. that one. Thank you. Yeah, that was also that's all that's definitely my second favorite. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that album, um, that yeah, and that was fully me just being like, I'm gonna write a Radiohead song. Like that was me doing a Ben's beat, a a B side from the Ben's. Oh, um, and I think I did a pretty good job. It wouldn't have made it on the actual album, but you know, <laughs> I, I mean. 
would have been a b-side i mean that's true i mean if you had told me that like you saying that it was inspired by radiohead thinking back to a song I'm like yeah you know what i i can definitely sense the influence on that one um <laughs> but even then like with with that album in a whole like again that's just like one of the more recent ones but it's not like you've really slowed down like i like we talked about a little bit you had your magma fest debuting a few songs including the absolutely hauntingly gorgeous eulogy of an empty frame you say that it was fine and you soak in the heavy silence because you both know that you're lying you know there's no Conversing with the ghost, but it's easier to cry to the empty space if you pretend that it's a shoulder, you know. Which, uh, again, like when it comes to just your music as a whole, especially like the more you produce, the more I crave more of it. It's just straight up. <laughs> like, does it ever like blow your mind? Like some of the songs that you've been able to create, and some of the the songs that you've developed. Like, do you ever have to step back and be like, how in the world did I even create that? I, I always, I, I don't really have the, how did I create that feeling, but I do like the other biggest, like the other thing that I would say is kind of a, a driving uh, mentality behind my music is I need to be making music that I love. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't, if I'm, if I'm not one of my own favorite artists, that's a clear sign that I'm doing something um I don't want to say doing something wrong, but that's a clear sign that I'm not living up to my potential. Um, Because my, like, when I'm making music that, like, I am in complete control. The only thing that is limiting me is my, is my technical ability. Um, And so um, my music uh, is my opportunity to put literally every single thing that I think is good, that I think makes music good into my into one song like every single song i make i am just doing it i try to do it exactly how i want to and again the only thing limiting me is my ability to translate that vision from my head into you know into the computer um and so i do you know listen back to my finished music and I'm just like, damn, I did a fucking good ass job on this one. Um, and I think that very often and I'm very proud of that. <laughs> I mean, you should. And I think, I think um, um, more like I think it, we should talk like as creatives, we should talk about more like you should fucking love what you're creating. If you don't love what you're creating, then you um, should take that as motivation to learn more um because uh either to learn more or like you if you don't love what you're creating you should examine why and uh, it that will give you a path forward because either you'll discuss you'll find that you need uh you need to learn this or that um or you'll discover that you're um not right like you're not taking the approach that you maybe should be taking like maybe you're writing with too many external factors in mind instead of just focusing on what you want because if you love what you make if you are if you are doing what you want to do instead of what you think would be good based on whatever external factors then you're going like being truer to yourself means you will make better music 
Um, and you will like, obviously no music is for everyone, but there's so many people in the world. There's so many di like it, people with incredibly diverse music tastes in the world. You just need to be completely true to yourself and other people will connect with it. There will absolutely be other people. If you love what you're making, that will also love what you're making. Absolutely. Honestly, what you're talking about, that's a mentality that I carry with me when I'm doing this podcast or whatnot. Like I started this podcast in the first place because there were so many incredible artists out there that I wanted to get to know, like not just like the art or the music or whatever the medium they're doing, not just what they create, but like the people behind that. I really wanted to know like the thought process, the emotion, the inspiration, because a lot of people, you can definitely attest to this. Like they put a lot of themselves into their art and people just either don't know about it or it just gets passed along just because haha, funny thing. All right, next. Like, for me, like I, I am creating like the podcast to where like I can truly sit down, listen to the conversation that I've had, even though I've already, I'm in the conversation, I'm having this conversation with the people. I can listen to that conversation, and just hang on to every single word that like the other person is saying. Like the questions are questions that I do take a lot of time to think about, and I really do appreciate like the people giving a wonderful response with that kind of stuff. Like that's why I still do this podcast and still absolutely love it. I know that like, you know, you were saying like creators need to talk about like having that sort of mentality. That's something I always try to push. Like if you're not absolutely loving what you were putting out there, then find a way to then, then make the stuff that you love. Because if you're not truly enjoying it, people are going to notice that they're going to see that. Mm-hmm. And even if people don't see, I don't think it, you know, I've listened to music um, by people who aren't that confident in themselves and I can still, it doesn't necessarily come across as, oh, it's clear that this is not like something you were fully confident in. But then, you know, if you hear the difference, that's when it's clear. If you hear the difference between something that was made um, with external with external factors in mind more than and then internal ones versus something that was just made with love you can tell oh yeah. or at least i think you can tell <laughs> i would say i mean you can hear it you can see it you can visualize it you can sort of it's easy especially with art with how open of a, a medium that it is and how easy it is to translate like whatever is going on in that artist's mind in one way or another like it's very easy to notice that kind of difference and like you said like especially when you're listening to music you can tell the difference between something that's more or less just manufactured to get something out there versus something that people took a lot of time love and effort to make sure it is what they want mm -hmm. so yeah i know a way that you certainly have helped nurture that love is with uh with the wonderful opportunity that you've that you and a group of people have provided with Avenue Concerts, um, with some of the opportunities that you've created, like how many concerts have you guys had at this point? It's been like what five? It's oh gotta man, be that. it's got to be like what? I think eight. Eight. Want to say I want to say Dungeon Fest was their eighth. Let's see, uh, Tales from Transgender Street, Hyperspace, Wild Wild Fest, mm -hmm. uh, um, Magma Fest, Magma Fest, Rat uh, Rat Rave. I, that I went out of order. That's okay. Rat rave, <laughs> neon lights, pretty scary fest. Okay, dungeon fest was our night. D okay, but nevertheless, like, is it incredible to kind of know that not only are you creating incredible music, but you're given an opportunity for others to create and showcase the music that they love? Oh yeah, it is. It's been a such a wild journey, um, and I'm yeah, like the the thing that is most important to me about Avenue is. Uh, um, 
I want, I want it to get as big and successful as possible. Um, and I think we've had some much, we've had much, much bigger successes than, than I ever could have dreamed of. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I, and I, I want, if we, you know, if we ever manage to return to the level of Wild Wild Fest or Magma Fest, um, or if we manage to sustain, if we go, if we go into the future and manage to sustain that, I will still always want to platform people who've never done a URL, a URL fest before and people who have 20 followers uh, and people who um, are just doing what they love without um, striving for a platform or people who are doing what they love and striving for a platform and who haven't been successful. Um, I just, I think, um, you know, it is so important to look past the surface of who is like rising to the top of whatever, whatever, even like whatever level you're looking at, even if you're just looking at like the really granular level of this particular um, Twitter, like Twitter centered subculture um, and like micro genre um, within the, within the world of, you know, the, the kind of like big hyper pop bubble that we mostly exist in. Right. Um, there's people making incredible music in every corner. Oh. Um, we want to use the platform that we have to lift up anyone and everyone. Um, and uh, it means a lot to me uh, that, you know, like the feeling I had when we on at our very first event where I was like, I, I'm this complete nobody asking, um, asking Left at London to um, please play at our, our fan event. And she gave us a chance and gave us a, and like, used her platform to lift us up mm -hmm. um and uh, with the help that she continued to give us in help like connecting us with our with other artists and the help that other artists that we've worked with gave us in connecting to um other other artists um our platform has grown through the generosity of people who have been more successful than us um, and so now that we have that platform, it is incredibly important to me that for as long as we do things and for as long as I do things, um, whether it's um, through Avenue or not, whatever, whatever means uh, and whatever my plot, whatever my platform is, whatever, wherever I'm coming from, it is incredibly important to me to extend that generosity um, to other people uh, because I wouldn't be where I am without it. Right, right. I mean, I, I feel like as someone that tries to use their own platform to try to elevate other artists as well, I could totally understand where you're coming from. Just trying to give artists that may not have that opportunity before beforehand, like a chance to really showcase what they truly can be. I, I know that like through my limited experience of being at a couple of these uh, fests as well, like listening in or whatnot, like there are some incredible artists that deserve like an incredible opportunity, like especially with some of the sets that they develop. Do you personally have, a favorite set of any of the fests, whether it be one of your own that you've presented or one of the other ones that either you didn't expect or like it was incredible just to still hear what they presented. Oh man. Um, uh, I, w I have to admit that like um, a lot of, uh, so a lot of the stuff that we, um, that we 
have is um, kind of in the, again, in the very broad hyper pop umbrella, mm-hmm. which includes a lot of people who hate the term hyper pop <laughs> and don't make pop music, but just, you know, the, the very broad world of um, hyper pop and other experimental electronic music that people from outside have lumped in right. <laughs> with hyper pop. Um, within that world, like a lot of that stuff is not the kind of music that I will sit down and listen to on, in my own time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, so I think there's an energy to being at a URL fest, even though I'm just sitting alone in my apartment, listening to it, it still has a very different energy being in the Twitch chat and being in, um, the Minecraft server and talking to everyone and that sense of communal excitement and energy just makes it makes any music better but it also means that like a lot of the stuff that i listen to divorced from the context if i try to go and listen to it divorced from that context i just don't enjoy it as much not because it's not not because it's not as good like but just because it's not my taste personally and uh, so it's stuff that you know i'm enjoying more than i normally would because of the the venue all of that said Mm -hmm. um one thing that one uh thing that does stick out to me um is um sal the dog um her magma fest set um which was immediately after the release of um real estate dog Mm -hmm. um which is one of i'm not a huge noise music um fan but that is an incredibly good noise album um and i so i'd been i'd uh gone to like the premiere party of it that was not that long beforehand and then i um went uh their magnifest set um was it was just incredible and i think um a lot of the artists that we worked with but they in particular um have a very special like just I don't I I don't know what it is, but something about their music and their presence um, is it just um, I think it really really speaks to people, um, and I know I think um, they're the person that um, more than um, more than any like they stick out to me in particular as an artist that like everyone at Avenue loves like everyone that. Um, goes to their con that goes to our our fests whenever whenever salve is there their set is one of like the one of the ones that gets people going the most um and so i think like all of their sets have been incredible but um yeah their magma fest set is one of my favorites um from any of the concerts we've done uh and then i i think a close second would be um in love with the ghosts set at pretty scary fest um, that one was just, it was the perfect mix of bangers and vibes. Yes. I think that's how, the, how a lot of people can probably describe their music as a whole. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, um, yeah, I think the biggest reason that I don't listen to a lot of the um, the uh, Avenue sets or, uh, like, uh, that I don't listen to a lot of the Avenue sets outside of um, the concerts, like, I don't go back and listen to them that much, is because they're just so high energy the whole time that for me it gets a little bit exhausting um 
which again, not, not a, not a judgment, just my personal taste. Right. Um, and so I can, I really appreciate, um, the, the sets that are kind of, um, a breath of fresh air, um, within the very, um, high end, all of the very high energy stuff. Right. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I can, I can totally understand where you're coming from, especially for like, I, I guess like a, for a lot of people, especially when it comes to like a concert experience that like they're probably trying to get like as much of the energy as they can from like where the crowd, whether it's an IRL or URL uh, festival or whatnot. <laughs> so, but I can also imagine like, obviously, like you said, you know, every other person has their own different taste when it comes to music, just like every single artist has their own preference on how they want to execute. And in love with a ghost, I mean, like I said, their music as a whole is just like a mix of like bangers and vibes. So I can totally get like how that can come across easily in a, in a set. And I can see why you could easily go back to it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But obviously, like, you know, we're talking about all these different festivals and all the albums that you've created or whatnot. It's not like hopefully you're not slowing down anytime soon. So I, I have to. I've always been. I've always been slow. That's my secret. <laughs> I can't slow down because I've always well, been slow. <laughs> there you go. I was going to say just I didn't say you you're being slow. I was just saying that you're not slowing down just because you're going. One no, mile, yeah. Just because you're going one mile per hour doesn't mean that you're going to be slowing down to half a mile per hour. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I don't plan on it. <laughs> well, with that, I plan on speeding up quite a bit as soon as I graduate. Oh, there we go, there we go. So. We can get up to two miles per hour. That... No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I have to ask though, at least when it comes to like you know short term, what should we expect next from Moon Rabbit? Oh boy. Um, so my um, I think I posted about this on Twitter recently. Um, my current, what was going to be my next project or my next set of projects are, is currently on hiatus, um, because my, um, audio interface broke oh, lovely. Um, a little bit. And so now I cannot record, uh, I cannot, re uh, record vocals, um, with my good microphone. Um, so I'm going to be calling the company I bought it from and asking. Shout out shout out Sweetwater Audio by the way. Um they have the they're the they have the best best cups bleh, best customer service. Um they're so helpful. But um so I'm going to be I'm going to be calling them and being like, "Hey, is there anything I can do to fix this or do I just have to replace it?" It's like 5 years old, so I'm not surprised at this point. Okay. I mean um, I mean still the fact that it's but, been reliable for that long and then just craps the bed i can see where the the frustration is more than anything else <laughs> yeah um and it, what, what's the most frustrating it would almost be less frustrating if it like fully broke but the problem it's having is that it, uh and it, it is only a problem with the xlr um uh. input and not the the um quarter the quarter inch cable input when i plug in the microphone um it will just play uh it works but it'll just play static Oh, um, on like a, it'll play um, a um, like a buzzing that's um, goes in and out. And when it goes out, it goes out for long enough that I have like this little bit of hope that maybe it's gone and then it comes. And then it just comes back. So it's the most, it's the absolutely most frustrating kind of broken. Oh. Um, but yeah. So my vocal, my vocal music, um, my vocal focused music is currently not being worked on. Um, but uh, I am focusing on just kind of playing around with more experimental stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I have a in mostly instrumental kind of um, 
ambient slash post rock slash drone slash I'm just doing whatever I want um, album uh, in the works. I don't know how long it's going to be until that comes out, uh, but I'm hoping to put out some more, uh, some less ambitious ambient stuff as flannels uh, relatively soon. Well, that's good. At least we'll have something to, to hold us over until you can get yourself situated, more or less. I mean, at least for me personally, any music you're going to create, no matter how much or how little you speak on it, it's going to be good music. That's all I'm at least <laughs> hoping for. Um, <laughs> I try. <laughs> and, and I think you do a very good job with that. In fact, I think you do so good of a job with it. I think it's time to bring in more or less the dream scenario, if I may. Let's say I am Big Shot Mr. Moneybags. I come up to you and like, look. Moon Rabbit, we know you can create some absolutely incredible stuff. We know you can create some of the most amazing music that can revolutionize the industry. And we know that you just need a little extra push, and we're here to give you that little push. We have access to anyone and everyone in the industry, and more money than there should be possible. Don't ask us where we got it. That, that There's too many legal questions behind that. Um, <laughs> if given this opportunity... Activation? <laughs> I said many <laughs> loopholes in legal situations. Anyways. <laughs> legal tax evasion. <laughs> if given this opportunity, what would be the dream moon rabbit project? Oh God. It would have to be like um, a ridiculously, um, I, I would seize this opportunity to make the most um, ridiculously overambitious double or triple album in existence. First oh, of all, for, I'm down for that um, already. <laughs> I, uh, I would want, um, I would want to work with Nigel Godric, um, Radiohead's producer. Okay. Um, I would want to work with Phoebe Bridgers. Fair enough. Um, I would want to work with Julian Baker. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, and I would, I would want, um, the best, the best session guitarist that we can find, um, <laughs> to but I, I i would want um a group like you know just a, a really talented group of of session musicians to kind of help elevate my compositions past the relatively basic because like my my technique as some as working from you know my bedroom is that i'm not a very I'm technically competent at everything but I'm not amazing at anything mm -hmm. um and you know I just pack on tons of layers to um give that sense of fullness without needing to be the best guitarist or the best bassist or whatever so I would just want like a really really good band um ooh a drum you know what? a specific drummer I would want would be Marshall Vore okay, um who enough. is Phoebe Bridger's drummer um <laughs> And uh, I've I've seen him lot. I've seen him like videos of their live performances, and he's such a goddamn good drummer. Um, yeah, so I would want, but I would just want like a really really great backing band to kind of elevate my compositions and give a more um, more dynamic and lively base for me to build off of with all of the extraneous stuff. Um, I'd want to work with an, like an orchestral arranger and a real orchestra. Um, and yeah, I mean, honestly, I would still want to do a lot of the work sitting alone in my bedroom and working on stuff with my set of tools. And then I would just take it in 
and be like, okay, here's what I have. Let's make this professional. (laughs) Here's what I have. Let's ramp this up to like 11. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I just thought it would be, sorry, go ahead. I would, I would, I would make my melancholy and the infinite sadness. Like I would just go so ham. There we go. There we go. That's a good mentality to have more than anything else. And I'm more excited to see that. But I was also thinking as you were talking about that, you're talking about bringing in all these other people to help you out with your own music. You know, you produce a lot of your own music. So I have to wonder, have you ever thought of like producing for other people? Or is there like a person that you would love to just collaborate with to create some of their music? Yeah. So uh, I am in a band. Um, oh. We're do- pretty dormant at the moment, but I am in uh, a band called 12 Rainy Sundays in a Row. Mm. Um, we've played at a couple Avenue Fests. We've released one album that I think is very, very cool. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I do really, I, I want to do more production work for other people. Uh, that's definitely something I, I really want to do. I really, I really want to co-produce a song with Left at London. It's going to yes. happen someday. I swear. It needs to happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll send I'll send her this podcast uh, I'll send her this clip when it comes out so I can be like I have one person I have one person vouching for me there you go um, I mean for I mean I've, I've had left at London on this podcast I've talked with it I'm obviously like a huge fan of her music or what and, and all that especially with uh her most recent like the debut album that she had um oh my god like that just song the oh song god. absolutely gorgeous it is so fucking good <laughs> jesus it is on it is unfair how good that goddamn album is i know right um, i'm fucking what was it i've gotten to the point now to where anytime kudzu comes on i just belt out that first verse like without any hesitation that's like my tradition with that song i cannot not sing that when it comes on i knew i nearly crashed my car once because <laughs> it, it could be i was listening to that album and when it could be better came on i was just grooving too hard and i almost crashed <laughs> I can test that. It's funny that you mentioned that because I don't know if you've watched the the pot, the episode that Nat had been on here or whatnot, but um, she was talking about doing the same thing with a Frank Ocean song um, because <laughs> the, I, I forget exactly what the song is, but there's a point in the song to where like you hear like a gun clacking or whatnot, and, it's, and like she likes to be physical with it, and like it's a giant shotgun, and she was going down the freeway and almost crashing this exactly, and almost crashed the car <laughs> doing that. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, no. Okay, so this is not something I've talked about publicly a lot, but I'm also I've also recently started doing drag. Oh, Um, okay. And uh, so now when so often when when I'm in the car, I'm like just lip syncing to stuff and imagining like if I what if I was trying to put together put together a performance for this. And I need to I need to take it down a notch because it's dangerous. Yeah, I was gonna say at the very least, like maybe not in the car, maybe like free time in your apartment or something like that. I mean, you. Oh live... yeah, well I I also do that. There you go. I was gonna say like right. you live your life. Hopefully you don't end your life by trying to lip sync in the middle of a car ride. But <laughs> but nevertheless, like that that sounds like fun more than anything else. Like just thinking. Of, oh like... yeah, it's. Fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's I gonna say? And going back to like the the left at London thing, like knowing what you can create and knowing what uh Nat has been able to produce so far and what they're still going to be producing, like that should eventually be just a match made in heaven. Like it needs to happen. I'm. You can send this clip as well. <laughs> left at London, Nat. This is a you need to make a song with Avery right here. You need to make a song with Moon Rabbit, and it will be absolute gold. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, the closest I've ever come to collaborating it. Well, so I sang back up on one of her songs um, alongside like a ton of other people. My friend, my friends um, are kind of strange. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in the, I'm in the chorus on that one. And then in one of, uh, in one of wow. Okay's um, Avenue sets. Um, I, um, I um, recorded a bit of me pretending to be on a discord call yelling at her. <laughs> Because the the like the fra the the premise was that like she um like she I, I don't remember exactly what it was it was some absurd joke thing but like she was like having it, the premise was that she'd had to put it together last minute and so I was just calling her like you need to send me this set and like within twenty four hours I'm gonna go on rate your music and rate your latest EP three out of five stars. <laughs> I'm trying to, I, I like whenever you say that, I was first thinking of like one of the more recent ones with like the the monster mashup or something like that. But no, that was a different set. That was a different thing. So I gotta remember that set. But goodness, yeah. I mean, even then, just just these little touch of like these little instances of you know small collaborations needs to lead to the ultimate you know move. Yeah. <laughs> Every t every time she posts on Twitter, like, hey mute, hey I who uh, I who's um who's interested in producing or for like anytime she posts anything resembling like a call for collaborators on Twitter. I'm just like, hi, hi, hello. Hi. <laughs> hi. How are you? Hi. I've been here for a bit. Hi. Hello. Um, <laughs> it's going to happen one day. I swear. It's going um, to happen. It's going to happen. But until then, sadly, we have to get down from the dream scenario. We got to get back to reality and I'll ask the ever so generic question. Where do you hope to see yourself five to 10 years from now? Um, man, alive. Um, it's a good start. <laughs> other than that, um, let's see. Uh, so there, there again, there's a difference between where I like realistically hope to see myself and where I like hype dream hope to see myself. Right. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, I'm graduating college soon. Good. Um, and uh, again, my parents, God bless them most i'm so lucky to have my have them be so supportive um i'm moving back in with them to focus on music full time for essentially the rest of 2022 um and i'm going to be basically building a portfolio and applying to uh a making connect trying to make connections in my local music scene mm -hmm. um i don't love what i've seen of the music local music scene here and good old Oklahoma, mm -hmm. but you know, um, got to start somewhere. And there are some really great people that, right. um, I, that I know of. Um, and so yeah, I'm start. doing, yeah, it's a good start. Um, so I'm, I'm going to work on that. Um, and I'm also going to be sending out, um, again, working on a portfolio to send out to, film to like film tv and game uh, game composing jobs okay um okay so gonna be trying to get some scoring gigs um and so yeah where i more realistically hope to see myself um going with this is i would really i would love to be like an in-house composer for an indie studio i think that would be really neat mm -hmm. um but just any um more somewhat stable position as a in-house or freelance composer um 
and just having, you know, having enough of a body of work that if I am freelance, I can be like, here's, here's my resume. Like, you know, like I'm qualified and I can like be consistently getting jobs. Um, where I would love to see myself in five to 10 years is signed to some cool indie, like some cool indie label, cough, cough, satisfactory, cough, cough, Phoebe Bridgers, return my emails. Um, and uh, just making music and touring and stuff um but that's the pipe dream i mean but one can hope one can hope and honestly at least for me personally if you just keep up what you're doing like either one of those goals i feel like you can get there at some point i know you can thank you uh, i i know the and the, the mentality i've i've had for a while is i know i'm good enough and i don't care if that sounds boastful i know that i'm a damn good musician um <laughs> And I just need to end up in the right place at the right time at some point because it really is so much about luck. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'll definitely talk more about being the, the, the amazing musician in a second. But before we divulge into that, as we wind down the interview, I just have one last question I want to ask. Obviously, like, you've been deeply entrenched in art and music for just about as long as you can remember, you know, you, you it's been longer than I can remember. Exactly. I don't remember being five. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. But nevertheless, like, you know, it's something that you've been a part of has helped to get you to this point in your life with, with music and art and such. How important is art, not just for you, but for the world as a whole? I think art is what makes life worth living. Um, not to be dramatic, but you know, like when, the um and this is a thing that a lot of people said when the pandemic first started and the world like stopped still in its tracks for a while mm -hmm. everyone turned to art that's what all of us did whether it was moot whether it was watching like binging tv shows on netflix reading books listening to music whatever whatever form of art that it, people were consuming everybody turned to art yeah like everybody um and, uh, you know, art is, uh, humans have been making art since our earliest history. Um, and it's just, you know, I, I can't imagine that we're ever not, that it's ever not going to be um, an integral part of, of the world and of society. And, you know, I can only hope that it remain, there, it, there continues to always be um, at least as as a very large a, a, a big sector of it that remains you know untouched by the slowly encroaching tidal wave of capitalism uh we'll see how that we'll see how that turns out in five to ten years yeah um, but that's a bit of that's a bit of a heavy conversation for for this but yeah I just I think art is just as important as like fucking food and water just in a, in a different way. Um, and, uh, no, I think, um, yeah, we, we all, it, it is what, regardless of how you engage with it, everyone has some form of art that they engage with more than anything else. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, it is what makes the world not a drab, boring place to be. There we go. That is wonderfully worded, if I do say so myself. Um, 
that is all the questions I have for you. I've already showered you with Lord knows how much praise, but I'm going to shower you with a little bit more because this podcast is my podcast. I do whatever the fuck I want. Um, I love it. Good. Shower it in. Drink it in. Right. Um, now, a- Avery, seriously, like ever since I have first been introduced to your uh, music, thanks to Ace, um, I cannot i emphasize this enough i cannot get enough of it seriously like your music truly moved me when i first got a chance to like listen to it like i was all in like like i said for from the first note like i was invested i got the emotion i got the love like whatever you were communicating i was able to translate it and really like take it in like you do a wonderful job really letting yourself out there and truly being vulnerable more than anything else to everyone out there and i appreciate you being able to do that and be so open about it. Um, hearing your story, it's incredible to know like just how much you've been able to do this and just how integral this is for you. Like This is as much of you as anything else in your life, and I understand that, and I cannot get enough of it, and I sincerely thank you for being able to do that because I know it's not easy for a lot of people to, to be that open, to be that sincere. And the fact that you're able to do that and do that so well as well, like you've already instantly, like even with what little you have out there, like I've already considered you at least like a top three or top five of my favorite artists of all time, like hands down. So thank you for what you do and thank you for being able to produce that. And I, We'll be rooting for you every single step of the way for what you do next. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. That means so much to me. Um, yeah, I just, I, uh, you know, my, my little band camp description, I make songs and I hope they mean something to you. Um, and, it, you know, every, it is, um, it means, like I said, validation is the second reason I make my music. It just, it means... And in the in the in the less shallow sense, it means so much to me to know that um, people get something out of my music, and that I'm leaving a, a little bit of a little bit of a footprint on other people's lives. Um, that just that means more to me than anything. So. Thank you so much. I'm just being 100% honest with you. So once again, thank you. Uh, For people who may also want that little bit of a footprint onto their own lives, go ahead and plug yourself for the people at home. Yeah. Here, let me stomp on your heart a little bit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah. So, yeah, you can can follow me on Twitter at MoonRabbitSings. That's where I uh, make a lot of bad tweets and also some good ones where I talk about my music. Um, And you can... Uh, find my music exclusively on Bandcamp at moonrabbitmusic.bandcamp. Music? Yeah, moonrabbitmusic.bandcamp.com. Uh, you can also find my side project, Flannels, at flannels.bandcamp.com. And I have a Patreon, uh, Moonrabbit Music, where you I don't upload that often anymore, but you can get access to up to, uh, I, I believe, over 30 audio files of demos, URL fest sets that I haven't released publicly uh, and the occasional fully exclusive release uh, for as little as $1 a month. And if you want to really make me sad, you can even only subscribe for, for one month and download everything and then cancel your subscription. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I don't mind. I understand. I, I don't have mo- I don't have a lot of money, so, you know, I don't mind. Um, that's fair. But, but <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's, a, uh, that's, that's, yeah. 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 Oh, also 12 rainy Sundays in a row. Um, my band, you can check us out on uh, Banton Camp. And uh, on Twitter at 12 Rainy Sundays, except we don't actually post anything. Um, but, you know, 
follow us anyway to make us feel better. I mean, if nothing else, there's just more of the back catalog for people to listen to. I mean, truly enjoy your music more than anything else. And if you ever do get the opportunity to get your music on other platforms in one way or another, please let me know, because I definitely want to take in as much as I can off of however many platforms I can. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we'll we'll be working on that. If I ever get enough people consistently listening for DistroKid to be worth it, then I'll shell out. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. But do you have any final words before we sign off? Um, I just say, um, to everyone listening, be yourself, be true to yourself. Uh, um, whether you're mate, whether you're an artist or, um, or not, whatever you do in your life, be true to yourself always and uh, do thing, do things for, for you. And uh, you'll find the people that will mean, will mean a lot to you. Um, if you're just, if you're just honest with yourself and you're who you want, you, you're who you want to be for you. You don't have to be who you are for other people, because if you're who you want to be for you, people, you'll find people that love you for who you truly are instead of for what you're trying to be for, for anyone else. Those are some kind words to definitely end the podcast on. And with that, all I have left to say is for the people at home, hasta luego, mi amigos. Hello again. Thank you for sticking around to the end. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, I greatly do appreciate it. And I sincerely hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, I said it in the podcast itself, but I was introduced to Moon Rabbit because of Ace. And I am forever grateful for that because, by God, like, do you ever listen to music or just, like, any art form? But do you ever, like, get exposed to something that, like, truly rocks you to your core? Because whenever I first listened to Moon Rabbit's music, like, I did not know how to feel. <laughs> I was just blown away with the production and the emotion that they put into each and every single one of their songs. And I I was honored to get a chance to really get to know them and get to, to pick up their brain a little bit. Because, you know, it's, it's incredible. I... I know I kind of say it on this podcast, but music is a major part of my life. Uh, I mean, music is part of the reason why I have, I guess, my cultural identity and my true love and appreciation for art. Um, I mean, you can probably see from the back wall if you watch the video version, but I mean, like, I know, like, the biggest one for me is, like, Tyler, the Creator, but I mean, like, you know. For those that are listening, you know, Kendrick Lamar just dropped a new one. That one, like, truly rocked me. But, like, anytime I get a chance to get exposed to some music in one way or another, it's incredible how much I can relate to, to certain pieces or whatnot. And I feel like, especially with what Moon Rabbit is producing, the quality of stuff that they are producing, it's absolutely incredible.
Um, I know by the time that I'm recording this, they are going to be teasing, releasing their newest EP that we kind of talked about, I think, in this episode. But, you know, at this point, like, especially with how early in their, like, music production career that they are, despite being deeply invested in it for most of their life, I feel like big things are coming Moon Rabbit's way. I know big things are coming Moon Rabbit's way. And you guys need to be keeping an eye on them. Uh, or keeping an ear to them, I guess, in this case. <laughs> Seriously, like, the music that they're producing, it's its insane. It is absolutely insane. And I'm excited for whatever's next. No matter what. I guess that's more or less like the lasting impression I want to leave you on you guys today. No matter what the art form is, no matter what the medium is, try to leave some sort of impact with whatever you do. Like whether it's something meaningful or whether it's something meme-y, it, whatever your mentality is that you're trying to go for it, just just try to leave an impact, you know? Especially in today's world, like, the impact you can leave on someone just by producing something, no matter how big or how small it is, it's incredible how much that people can easily relate to it, no matter what you're trying to do. That's, that's part of the reason why I keep going with this podcast. I mean, I know that my audience is growing. Um, I know last week's episode certainly helped with that. Thank you guys that listened to the, the Cosmo Perry episode, because that was a big episode <laughs> like two hours alone jesus christ but uh no uh but knowing that like people are listening in on artists like moon rabbit and such and people are finding ways to connect to them in one way or another like that's why i want to keep going with it because i know that for you guys for the audience out there it's leaving an impact on you guys and i greatly appreciate you guys keeping on coming back and getting exposed to more incredible artists. I sincerely hope that as well as supporting me, you're going out there supporting these artists because as much of an impact as they probably leave onto their audience, I know the impact is greatly appreciated when the appreciation's back on them. So with Moon Rabbit or with any artists I bring on this podcast or for you, the artists out there, whatever you do, try to do what you can to leave a good impact. You don't know how much people will greatly appreciate it at the end of the day. 